Yeah. <laughs> 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 Sounds like a cat yeah, being strangled. Yeah, yeah, like one song would take you like six hours to download off the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Napster was a real lust to have back then. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, fuck, yeah. you have to be careful about which songs you want to download. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> now it's like, let me download the internet. And then like your mother would, your mother would jump on and be like, I need to make a phone call, get off the internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back to the Matt Brown show guys. And thank you as always for pushing play. This is the getting down with Brown version of the show and it is co-hosted by Jay bone. Hello, hello, hello. And uh, today we're going to be talking about business news, growth hacks, getting into some healthy debates. So we cover a lot of ground today, so I hope you're strapped in for a cliffhanger. So business news we covered today was Rivian, the IPO, how can a pre-revenue electric car manufacturer be worth $150 billion? Wow. Epic. So we get into that. Uh, we get into, what else did we get into? We go, oh, Jeff Bezos, yes, he wanted to basically, now he's saying that, uh, you know, people will one day be born in space. Oh, shitballs, oh, shitballs, oh, shitballs. New class system imminent. We talk about technology, Neuralink uh, by Elon Musk mm -hmm. and how that's going to enable a class system. Shark um, Tank fails. Shark Tank fails, which is really cool. We mm -hmm. get into that today. Uh, you'll really dig that one. Uh, we also get into the difference between being rich and being wealthy in our segment, would you or wouldn't you? Um, and just so, so, so much more. So thank you for all of you who tuned in live. If you would like to catch this show, uh, head on head on over to the YouTube, uh, the infamous YouTube search Matt Brown show, uh, or follow me up on Twitter at Matt Brown ZA. And uh, yeah, sit down, relax, and whatever you're doing, stay safe and enjoy this version of Getting Down with Brown. Come on. Ha! Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to yet another cracking installment of the Getting Down with Brown show. Uh, with me is my co-host, Jay Bone. So we're how's back. it? You back again? We're back. We're back. Yeah, uh, and thanks to everybody who uh, wrote in based off the last show. Uh, really dig the questions and comments and stuff like that. So, if you want to get involved, uh, please do comment. We are watching the live streams, um, and um, yeah, if you want to tweet me, Matt Brown ZA, even on Twitter, I will be. I will be. Since I was uh, booted off Facebook, I figured you know I'd just transition. Yeah. <laughs> Is that so? How's your week been? It's been good. It's been good. Busy. Yeah. Yeah, but good busy. Yeah, as they say. Yeah. Well done. You've been a Superman. That's what you've been doing. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, uh, so we have a lot of news to cover today. It's been a pretty power uh, week for the news. So, should we get into that now? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. What is the news today? Let's have a look. Oh yes. Yes, indeed. So it's, this is a, the Rivian IPO, if you haven't been uh, following the news. Uh, let me bring it up here. This is a CNBC article. Um, so let me bring it up quickly. We are doing this live, people. So, you know, cut us a break. So here you go. So Rivian shares closed down 15% bucking post IPO rally. So this is a whole stink because... Uh, Rivian haven't even made revenue and they were valued at $150 billion, which is insane. Uh, they are the next in line after Tesla to, uh, to essentially, you know, um, become the next big thing in electric, uh, car making or car production. Um, and what a crazy number. How can you be worth $150 billion? <laughs> Pre-revenue. Pre Pre-revenue, dude. Like, there's some weird shit going on over there. This It's the IPO Wild West. If you think about all the IPOs that are happening out there at the moment, mm. it's just crazy. So let's take a quick look at uh, what's going down with this particular IPO. Joining me Join now is Stephen Wilmot, car columnist for the Wall Street Journal's Heard on the Street. I mean, Stephen, when you talk about a company that just goes public, at a valuation that's greater than some of the biggest traditional automakers that we know in this world. What exactly does that ring in terms of your mind about what's happening in the entire auto industry? Well, it's a great question, and thanks for having me on the show. 
I mean, I think the key thing here with, I mean, Rivian is the most extreme example of this trend, having, as you said, only gone public last Wednesday, almost exactly a week ago today at price, and its shares have doubled since, so its market value has doubled. And um, I mean, I, th- I think it says, for one thing, that um, people believe very seriously in the challenge to Detroit, because that market value can only make sense if Rivian takes quite a lot of market share from GM and Ford. But the interesting thing is we're not really seeing the valuations of GM and Ford come back. So there's obviously um, a bit of a cognitive dissonance here. And I mean, I think this is best illustrated by the fact that two years ago, the uh, total valuation of the top 10 uh, automakers in the world, excluding China, so the top 10 global automakers, was about $680 billion. And now it's over $2 trillion. So it's tripled. The, the market value of the, the, of the top 10 has, has tripled. And it's hard to see that the earnings potential of the very mature car industry has tripled. Um, I mean, it's possible that EVs might be a bit more profitable in future. At the moment, they're less profitable for most people. Um, so you can see how people might think, oh, maybe it's worth a bit more. And there's a story about software. Um, self-driving software that that might add a bit of uh, margin to selling a car, which has traditionally been a pretty low-margin business. But um, but to say that the earnings potential has tripled, that's a real stretch. So, so, so there you go. Earnings uh, or the, the value of car makers, was it? Rivian, Tesla has tripled, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's a like that's insane. So basically, how can Rivian be the third largest uh, car manufacturer with pre-revenue? <laughs> it's crazy. Like, it's honestly crazy. They're, they're only after Tesla and Toyota. I, I think there are a couple things though. So he mentioned in that clip that you can only really justify it if you can see them taking business away from the likes of Ford. And if you look at Rivian, their flagship vehicle is a pickup truck. And the most popular vehicle in the U.S. is what, the F-150, something like that, and followed by an additional two pickups. The top three vehicles in the, in the U.S. in terms of sales are pickups. Um, and I think even if you look at them in being in competition with Tesla, they're not going after the same market. The person who's buying a shiny new Tesla is not the same person who's going to go buy a pickup. I don't know. I think you would. You think uh, so? Yeah, because, I mean, it's like saying if you wouldn't buy a Ford Mustang and then an SUV because you have a family. Do you know what I mean? Like you sure, would have sure. both. I don't know. I, I, I would buy both. And I think <laughs> if you, it's like, why did they buy the Prius, all those people back in the day? Yeah, to be. Just to in, say that you have a Prius. I'm environmental. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm yeah. sustainable, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm off the grid. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I, I think it's good to have Rivian in play. I mean, the car, have you seen the Rivian? Yeah, yeah, I have, yeah. Looks amazing. Yeah, it looks good. Have you watched that series, The Long Way Up? Mm -mm. So, you know, Ewan McGregor and Charlie, his mate Charlie, and they basically get, they got on electric, well, they've done, they've gone from England across Europe, like east. Oh, I've heard of it, Then they went from England south to Cape Town Mm. through Africa. Then they went back up, I think. Um, And then, no, they didn't go back up again. They just went down. And then this time, the last time they went, in, on there's all about electric vehicles basically mm. so so they said is it possible to go from like the southern tip of south america all the way to like la on electric bikes <laughs> which had never been done before yeah. um and even the support vehicles had to be electric so there was like a zero carbon footprint mm. uh sort of you know goal here for this whole thing so rivian actually built a truck for them for this uh, trip in two weeks and gave it to them to basically run all the way up, you know, along the, along yeah. the trip. So, um, and then the bikes were provided by Harley Davidson. Can you believe that? Crazy. What? Mm-hmm. So Harley Davidson, uh, also built these bikes, especially for, you know, for a trip like this, mm. because when you're on a trip like that, you can't, it's not like plugging into, like a, a proper, like if you go to Santa and, you know, you plug your car into like mm. a proper charging station like you would in the US or Europe. So in South America, there was no power infrastructure. 
So Rivian built infrastructure along the way, <laughs> <laughs> along the way, for their cars. Yeah. But the bikes, uh, because they were not always with the support vehicles, they had to have their bikes customized so that they could plug it into the a wall socket of a house and charge their uh, their BMWs there. Insane. So I mean, they like they did it right, yeah. and that, that was the amazing thing. So. Going back to this whole Rivian news story, mm. I think it's I think what Rivian have done, I would say that it's difficult to to really value a business because right now it's just the story. Yeah, it is. You know, if Tesla's like the if Tesla's gone from from where they have to being the richest car maker in the world, and you're saying that you can also build equivalent cars that look great, um, you've sold fifty, you know, um, and you produce these things, you have a product, maybe it is worth. Maybe it's also, and I know we spoke about this a little bit in a show last week. Is is sentiment? You know, if you and fear of missing out. If I'd put in a thousand dollars into Tesla five years ago, it'd be worth thirty thousand dollars today. So I had to thirty x my money in five years. So you know, I don't want to miss out on that again. Next new kid on the block, electric vehicles, EVs. Um, I'm gonna get in now because I want a thirty x. You know, I missed out on Tesla. Okay, so you you have a hundred thousand dollars, or you in or out? Oh, no, I wouldn't touch it. What? No, no I wouldn't touch it now. What? <laughs> Not too, now. It's too much. There's no, too much if stuff you had the choice to be part of the IPO, so oh, okay, for sure. you have a million dollars, so you have to yeah. put a million in. Yeah, it's worth a, worth a gamble for sure. I actually think as an investor, so <clears throat> selling my businesses and stuff, so as an investor, I would basically get in on any IPO I can mm. at the moment because the, it's always the same story. So stories obviously drive the valuation, right? So, um, but every IPO I've seen, and if you look at all the IPOs that have happened recently, Monday, there's like bazillions of them. Um, it's like there's more companies have listed or carried out an IPO, tech companies, car companies in the last uh, year than in like the previous five. So it's yeah. wild, wild west of IPOs. And every single time, if the share price for argument's sake is $10, the moment it lists at $10, you have the investment bankers basically then pumping retail investors mm. and saying, get in now. And that's what drives the price. So if you can get in at an institutional level with an IPO, you will make money, like guaranteed. Yeah. That's what they do. That's what the investment banks do. I mean, like if you like Uber, for example, right? What are they? I don't know what they listed at. And, you know, people in the chat on the channels can, you know, Call me out on this, but I'm pretty sure that the the Uber share price is uh, less than what the company listed at. Now, yeah, I could be wrong. You know, the you know, ch- chat can uh, call me out on this. Why do you say that? Because uh, I'm uh, invested early, <laughs> 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 and I'm pretty sure last time That's, I looked at my portfolio, well, there you uh, go. Heavily down. So I'm looking at it now. So let me bring this up on screen for everybody. So there you go. Uber share price currently forty five dollars. So when this is now the max view. So they they twenty nineteen. Is that when they listed? Yeah, they listed fairly recently. Yeah. Oh really? Mm. So twenty nineteen listed at forty one dollars. It's now forty five dollars. Okay. Yeah, I was called out. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you've been called out by me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take that. Uh, I'm taking it. I'm taking it. Take it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So we smash some more news here. Yeah, let's go for it. So the next one uh, we wanted to share with you guys is uh, this one, which is from Jeff Bezos. He's seemingly always in the news for the wrong reasons these days. Uh, but this is on uh, Independent Coded UK Mav. Uh, the producer shared this with us. So Jeff Bezos predicts people will one day be born in space and visit Earth the way you visit Yellowstone National <laughs> Park. So like, well, what are your first thoughts on that? Lots of uh, stuff happening in space at the moment. Blue Origin, SpaceX. Yeah, I mean, privatization. It's so weird that you know that you brought up this news article because I also I read something this week about there is that there's actually oxygen on the moon. It's just all in rock in different forms. If you can harness it, you could support like eighty million people for a hundred years or something, something ridiculous like that. What? Yeah, yeah. How do you have oxygen in rocks? Crazy. I know. It's insane. <laughs> I, I don't understand the science about it. I'm no scientist. Um, but yeah, I, th- I mean, 
there's so many things that are around today and we live in such a different like way to even like 20 years ago. Some yeah. of the stuff just seems crazy. I, like stupid example is dial up internet. You remember dial up internet? I, I wish we had, I wish we had the sound clip of it. Should we get it? Yeah. 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 Sound clip, sound clip for dial up internet. <laughs> Some an, a nostalgic moment here for the viewers. That's just showing your age, dude. Dial up internet sound. <laughs> I will always be younger than you. That's one thing that will be that's you certain, right? Here it comes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a cat yeah, being strangled. Yeah, yeah, like one song would take you like six hours to download off the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Napster was a real lust to have back then. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, fuck. Yeah. You have to be careful about which songs you want to download. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> now it's like, let me download the internet. And then, like, your mother would, your mother would jump on and be like, "I need to make a phone call. Get off the internet." <laughs> yeah exactly i remember that yeah, yeah, yeah. do you remember those old phones where it was the the, the dialer yeah, yeah yeah so so i remember you could hack the dial tone so for instance uh what you could do was basically take the receiver and tap it so if you wanted to dial like a two you hit the receiver twice <laughs> and eight would be eight times and you could make phone calls even when my mom Locked the phone, <laughs> and she couldn't understand why, why the why the phone bill was still so high that's after amazing. she locked the phone. That's amazing. Uh, analog yeah. hacking. It's cool. I know. Right? <laughs> so this uh, this news thing. Uh, this was Jeff Bezos. Mm. I think this is this for me is a sign of a future class system. Yeah, you can have Interesting. people who are on Earth and people who are super rich. Mm. Like no, it's not even. It's like the 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 like the top zero point one percent of the ultra rich will live in space, and be able to travel between. Yes. Do you think that it becomes then all relative? So people that currently are unable to take like fancy island holiday holidays, they say in the Caribbean, right? Do you think that becomes like relative in the future, so that um, people with a lot less wealth are able to take those holidays, but they're unable to go to space? <laughs> uh yeah i don't know i i just i just think it's 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 like it's another class system right? yeah, yeah think about it it has to be that's what's coming yeah so i don't know like i think the the, the question like poor is, people are not going to be born in space you know what i'm saying uh, yeah or even yeah, middle very class good, very good very good point right mm. so i don't know well, what happens to, um, you know, how do economies work? In You know, if you, let's say Mars for the sake, because everyone's talking about Mars, right? So let's just say Mars colonized, this kind of stuff, for super rich people traveling back and forward. Um, what about, you know, like people cleaning their homes, let's say? Yeah. You think rich people are going to sit around and be like, I'll clean my own home? In, on Mars? No way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about Mars, right? Really? So let's- <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, it's an interesting one. Um, I'm all up for space, though. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't actually be too pissed off if um, if Frank came to me one day and was like, Dad, I'm going to Mars. Cheers. I won't see you for like five years. Yeah. Would you do it? Go to Mars? Yeah. Nina, my wife, won't let me. <laughs> she would, so I've already told her. Yeah. I keep teasing her about um, about uh, Neuralink. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and she loses her shit with me. Oh. I'm like, listen here. Like, imagine if you, if you had Neuralink implanted in your brain, right? Mm. And you had access to AI and you could communicate with interfaces and you could access the world's information literally in seconds in your brain and mm-hmm. be able to, to make decisions off that stuff. Mm. You would be superhuman. Yeah. So it wouldn't even be a choice around whether or not you should get it because you'd be fucked. If, if, like, if you can afford it, it's a no-brainer, right? No, but I mean like imagine I had it and you didn't mm. and you were running a competing business. Mm. You don't stand a chance. No, dead, dead in the water, yeah. You screwed. Yeah. You're absolutely stuffed. Mm-hmm. You know? So 
and you know, so this is my thing is like technology now is at such a point where it would enable a new class system because mm. if you think about Neuralink, it's another class system. Yeah. So if they made it expensive, let's just say it was a million dollars for the chip. Mm. Okay, that's a lot of people can afford that. But you know, my, my point being is that maybe you know one percent of people could afford yeah, to drop a million dollars on Neuralink, mm. right? So now you're running around. People are running around. Class rich people getting richer, getting richer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. day trading would be a whole new machine. Yeah, because you could literally analyze markets in real time and have yeah. all of that information computed. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a. It's it's actually a scary thought, right? Mm. It is. Mm. It's interesting to think of that hard tech because technology is supposed to be the enabler of dem- democratic, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. democratic access to things, information. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and there are a lot of innovations that really, when you think about it, are the opposite. Yeah, so like it, so technology's made some things defunct, so like education. So education was all about getting access to information, mm-hmm. still is. But now we have smartphones and the internet, so I can get access to any information I want literally within seconds. Mm-hmm. So education, the way that it is now, is largely irrelevant, right? Yeah. So in some sense, it's made uh, old the old traditional ways of doing things, the industrial age thinking, irrelevant. But now on the other side, it's like it can enable true class. Yeah. You know, like if Tesla, if uh, Elon was like, no, 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 Neuralink's only for billionaires. You know what I'm saying? Which it in all likelihood would be, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially up front. I mean, if you think about Tesla's, the roadster, how expensive that was. Yeah. And then over time it becomes cheaper. So mm-hmm. inevitably only the rich can afford access to the best anything. Yeah. And then only later, much, much later, right, does the the, jet, the man in the street get mm. access to that tech. What's the effect of that? Is it just a, a delay on... Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Well, it'll reinforce systems that are already, yeah. you know, with Elon, like we covered last week in mm. the show, like Elon selling his, what is it, his shares in Tesla, yeah. $5 billion, because, you know, of that tax. Well, I guess, unfair, you know, if you look at Neuralink. Unrealized gains. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's super interesting. And I think it's slightly different to other other innovations. Like you say, you know, the the poorer get access to things a lot later, right? They do get access to them, but by that time, there's something more advanced specifically. Mm. I mean, uh, something more advanced um, um, that the wealthy are getting access to. But when you think about something like Neuralink, at some point, you have to believe that there's a point of equalizing. Because... You know, you'd assume that it's 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 access to global artificial intelligence. It's not just what's happening in your brain, right? That's being shared, right? All the AI is being shared. All the learning is happening at a global level. So when I get it, you know, eight years after Mr. CEO of this EV company gets it, I still get access to all that uh, information, all that intelligence, right, that he has. So I guess at some point you have this like mass equalization across the world. So Jeffrey uh, Moore has been on my show. Uh, he wrote that book, Crossing the Chasm. Mm. So he spoke about like early adopters, early majority, late majority, and laggards. So, so what you're basically talking about is <clears throat> is 
and and by the way, as as that adoption curve matures, mm-hmm. um, the cost of the technology typically drops off, increases. Yeah, yeah. So it's the same thing. Peter Diamandis, I think he writes about the same thing. Things get the, there's like D's, a whole bunch of D's, dematerialized, and then eventually gets democratized. Mm. So the, you know, think about uh, Blockbuster, and it got dematerialized into digital, mm. then ultimately democratized. Yeah. And that's the that's the that's what disruption essentially is, right? It's about having a piece of technology that fundamentally changes education, but then also you know creates democratize access to things. Mm. But I think the time that 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 it takes for that adoption cycle to complete, it's getting shorter mm-hmm. because if you think about how much computers used to cost, right. Now, yeah. how much? I mean, they can't even make chips yeah. now. <laughs> it's yeah. like a silicone <laughs> shortage. But like the cost of computing has dropped through the floor. I mean, now we have access to like virtual computing infrastructure, mm-hmm. like that have pay for only what you use. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas that was reserved for like IBM Watson. Right. <clears throat> so I think over time it just it becomes easier to adopt. But I do think that in some contexts, it's like it's like how do you get access to an IPO? You have to be rich. Um. Yes, and or lucky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or lucky. Unless maybe you're doing the IPO. I mean, I mean, company. you can apply, but yeah. chances are the institutions have have it all wrapped up already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I don't. It's like there's that say uh, the, for me. Everything in life, it doesn't matter what it is. Every advantage has a disadvantage. You know, so mm. it Neuralink advantage disadvantage equals this. Is there? It's like yin and yang. It's yeah. like uh, good and bad. There's always. It's a truism of the universe that we live in. You know, there's certain sets of rules that basically determine these principles, you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but Neuralink is something I would absolutely do. <laughs> 100%. No yeah. doubt. It's not even a thing for me. No doubt. So I, I, come, I would borrow the money to do it. Yeah, exactly. I would only, wouldn't even have I'll to have it. I'll pay you back. Yeah, I'll pay you back. Yeah, imagine going pitching your company to an investor and go, listen, one of the requirements is Jeb Neuralink. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's such an unfair yeah. advantage. Yeah. Are you going to back an entrepreneur with Neuralink or right, not? exactly. <laughs> okay, I know where my money's at. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know what I mean? So let's actually, uh, I found some amazing uh, clips, so we're going to move on here. Uh, this, we're going to do failing forward. So... I found some really cool um, clips from Shark Tank. And this mm. we're about to, it's US-based Shark Tank. Uh, J-Bone, you haven't seen this, so surprise, surprise. Cool. Um, but uh, I'm sure you have some cool views around this. But what's, uh, what you're about to hear basically is um, an off Shark Tank interview with the sharks. And they're talking about the investment opportunities they said no to, mm. but that ultimately was a huge success. Um, and so I'm going to play you uh, a, 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 the clip and then we can kind of discuss, nice. you know, what. Uh... Shark Tank talking about a lot of the big hits. Now it's time to talk about the companies that you missed. The regret. The regrets. The things you wished you'd invested in. It always in. comes to this. We wouldn't yeah. admit it. Do you not admit it when of you missed out on something? You don't want to be a loser. Why That's cry over spilt milk when you yeah. know there's another great deal coming Absolutely. through the Shark Tank? Who's there? One deal that should really hurt involved a company called DoorBot, a video doorbell system. Introducing the DoorBot, the first ever video doorbell built for the smartphone. The sharks went out one by one. It's really not an internet play, it's a consumer device. I just don't think it's for me. This company instead of being worth seven million, can be worth 80 million, 90 million. I just don't see that progression. And for that reason, I'm out. But CEO Jamie Siminoff walked out of the tank and straight to the bank. DoorBot, now renamed Ring, is reported to be valued at $460 million, the most of any company to appear on Shark Tank. Over $100 million in sales, uh, over 1,000 uh, team members now in the company. Coming from where we were at in the garage. This is the garage. It's, it's a, 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 a two-car two office. It has been a crazy, I mean, beyond crazy ride. One of the quote-unquote misses of Shark Tank was Copa Divino. Uh, a miss? I, well, for, a miss in, for sense, somebody, in yes. the sense that he made a huge... Oh, I'll believe it when I see it. Groans from the sharks because Copa Divino and its owner, James Martin, is probably the most infamous entrepreneur ever to enter the tank. America's first premium 
wine by the glass. His product, a single-serve cup of wine, was a hit with the Sharks. Wow, that's never been done in wine before, and I grant him that was a good move. I really like your patent. His personality, not so much. You could feel the antipathy through the TV set, guys. Oh, yeah, I mean, it was... You guys didn't like him. But we didn't respect him either. You guys all try to get into the I'm in the wine business. The problem with him, he tried to sell me on a winery. That is a bad business. the first time. And when the sharks began to circle... Why are we even in the wine business? Why aren't we licensing this to all the wineries? Martin began to sweat. He was sweating. Oh, yeah, that was, uh, that was the best was part. I'll buy 51% of it for $600,000. Martin rejected the offer, angering all the sharks. I am going to go buy a $1,000 bottle of wine tonight, and I'm going to drink it because I'm weeping for the opportunity lost. Mm-hmm. This was your moment. Mm-hmm. You turn around, it's gone. But in a shark tank first, Martin returned the following year, this time uncorking some juicy sales figures. We went from 600,000 in sales to 5 million in sales in one year. I was right. We were building a brand. And ready to rub the shark's noses in it. Oh, I'm back. Are you kidding me? I thought we kicked you to the curb. James, <laughs> you're still dead to me. I had a hate for Kevin O'Leary at a level that wasn't healthy at all. And my opportunity to come back was also my chance to get the last word in and say, look, you blew it, but I'm also gracious enough to give you a second chance. With your investment, we'll drink these together and we'll toast to the millions we'll continue to roll in. You've tortured me so long, I'm going to put an offer out anyways. The second time he came on, he stood out there and he knew we all were interested and he was trying to be too cool, too smart. It's a million dollar bottle of wine. He was up there thinking he's like he's the man. Instead of just taking the deal, Martin kept taking sips of his wine, playing coy. It was it was a lot of money. We were negotiating and he's like, I'm going to take a sip. And what did I do? I'm out. Right. I don't need you that much. You screwed around. You're playing games and there's nothing I hate more than playing games. And you came in and created drama. I'm, I'm really out. I mean, you just came here to waste our time. I think we all know the Sharks blew it and missed out on the biggest opportunity they ever had, which was me. But with Copa Divino, nobody regrets that no, you didn't get no, in on that. No regrets. Can you imagine dealing with him on uh, an ongoing basis? He would ruin our lives, our happy lives. To date, Copa Divino says it has sold 38 million cups of wine in places ranging from convenience stores to Madison Square Garden, reportedly earning $12 million a year. Cheers. I didn't need the sharks. They needed me. The Sharks needed me. They needed a really, really successful brand that went everywhere. And they didn't get it because they got greedy. I think in the second one, he forgot his place. He is not the Shark. We're the Sharks. Wow. (laughs) How epic is that? Uh, God, the arrogance. The egos. Yo, the egos. It's the battle of the egos, that, dude. That, that's all that was. That second, that Copa de Vino, and that that yeah. was just all about ego. Yeah, yeah exactly. Else. Money was basically the sharks went fuck you, and he much. came back a bit later going fuck you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Oh my word! I but, even forgot what was the first one we saw. That was so entertaining. I forgot. Yeah, the yeah, first exactly. Uh, the first one was I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> I just got wine on the brain. I feel like I had thoughts on the first one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the doorbell thing. The oh, doorbell the doorbell. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. When I when I first saw that the image yeah. on Shark Tank, I was like, that couldn't have like really that that took off. And then I saw this ring. That's all over here locally. Like it's all over the biggest online retailer. Take a lot ring ring Is it? ring doorbell. It's also um, it's all over the shelves of the largest Apple reseller. Here locally, I store. Like, I wonder how much that is. And I, I think they're fairly affordable. There you actually. go, video doorbell, one thousand. I mean, five hundred bucks. Let's put them that way. But well, I mean, it's not expensive. Yeah. Here you go, ring doorbell. Look at that incredible Genty. connection. One of the largest mm-hmm. tech re- re- resellers. One five. Interesting, eh? Yeah. Like, they obviously, went through a whole redesign and rebrand and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? But you know what's going on in the U.S., right, is people are um, ha- – because e- e- e-commerce is just like such a big thing mm. um, that uh, people are nicking product off their 
off their yeah. off their front, front porches. Doors, yeah. yeah. So because people are not there, they're like leave it leave it outside. I mean, obviously in, in South Africa, that, that's yeah. a really bad idea. Ninety yeah. percent of it would be. But taken in America, there. it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, viva la America. It still doesn't sit well with me. Like when you get when you get to the states, are you gonna have stuff dropped off your front door when you're like out? Yeah, for sure. Would Colorado, you, you, you no one's going to that shit. In your, in no, you're not in Boulder. <laughs> People think of a shit about I, that. I think it would take, <laughs> take, take me a while to get used to doing that. Yeah. 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 But it's crazy, man. It's interesting how sharks get it wrong, you mm. know, sometimes. Um, and see, this is the thing. I mean, you shouldn't be despondent if you can't raise money or if someone tells you no. I mean, like you heard this, the story mm. of successful founders, the founder of Peloton. He had... 400 in the, like 400 separate uh investors say no 400 dude crazy man 400 and now it's like a one and a half billion dollar you know uh business yeah. cycling at home peloton yeah. whatever virtual cycling and stuff mm. um and yeah it's it's such an interesting paradigm right that relationship between an investor and what you know you you have you know what i'm saying yeah like in some cases they're right obviously like there were there was one uh australian uh group called like beer pal it was an app that you know basically um connected you on a map kind of like uber eats but Mm -hmm. on a map to like beers at a discount oh and then they pitched and the app didn't work Mm. and then uh the one guy's like, yeah, but this is a retail that retail's driven by margin. Now you want to basically get them to like give you more margin. Mm. Like you guys don't know what you're talking about, you know. So sometimes things aren't thought through properly. Mm. Um, but in many cases, like the the pitch is sound, you know, and it's good. I mean, the guy was a bit arrogant, the wine guy at the end. Yeah, but he had a patent. Is that is, did he patent wine by the glass? Because that's huge. That is huge. It's like licensed. It's like a license to print money. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's the equivalent of uh, of patenting um, bot- wine bottles. Yes, right. Yeah, no, it's nuts. Uh, David Goggins is a he's basically a huge hero of mine, like because it's all about mental toughness. So he holds the world record for pull-ups. Have you seen that? No. I'm gonna try and get that up for everybody. And what is it? Uh, in 24 record? hours, the number of pull-ups. You can do. Well, oops. <laughs> dialing up the video. <laughs> World record for pull-ups. So if you're an entrepreneur, I highly recommend uh, getting into uh, David Goggins. Here you go. Pull-ups world record attempt. Oh, ads. Do not do another one. So here we go. Share it for you guys. So he's a former Navy SEAL. Is the only guy to do three hull weeks? Mentally. Mm. So basically, he did 4,020 pull ups in 24 hours. Insane. Insane. He, tried, he attempted it three times. Um, like the first time, his hands were like literally ripped to shit and they like injected him into his open wounds on his hands. And he like came up short and then he did it on his third, third attempt. But like what I love about him, it's like what he was saying around in that video about helping yourself, you know, no one's going to fix your business for you. Mm. You know, and I put this tweet out the other day. It's like, if in your business, if you do the things that are hard, running your business will be easy. But if you just do the things that are easy in your business, Running your business will always be hard. Yeah, I love that tweet you put out. Yeah, yeah there's the yin cool. and the yang, right? Yeah. The advantage and the yeah. disadvantage in everything. Yeah, you know, um, and it's something I think all entrepreneurs can really do do more of is doing the hard stuff. 
You know what I'm saying? Like mm. if sales, if your sales are lackluster, then pick up the phone more. Mm. You know, you don't like cold calling and you think it's hard. Well, fucking do that. Mm. Do more of that. It's also, he, he mentions, he mentioned that you, you never work as hard as you think you do. Yes. As you mentioned in that video. And that, I think everybody, everybody has been guilty of that, right? You always yeah. say, you, they think you work harder than you, than you actually do. And I think something else that does happen is the break that you believe you deserve, right? If you take a break, you stop doing, you stop doing, right? And the amount of time that you spend doing that generally uh, is not relative to the amount of work that you put in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like people take longer breaks or do work uh, or don't work for longer periods of time because oh, I've done so much. I deserve to take X amount of time off. I deserve not to pick up the call, the phone today, you know, or for the next week and that sort of thing. And it's just not uh, relative to the amount of work people generally put in. Yeah, it is true. You think, oh, and I'm an actually absolute monster, you know, this week I, I made like a hundred calls. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but what if you, you did 400? Yeah, exactly. Right. What about if you, you didn't take Thursday off? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. What if you just did what you know you could do? It's that, that thing I was talking about last week around removing the finish line. Right, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I think we kind of put ourselves on these self-imposed limitations around, well, you know, I made 50 calls today, so mm. I worked really hard. It's like, no. I actually want to ask about that because I, I had like, afterwards I had some thoughts on it. I was like, this guy's telling us that we mustn't set goals. But that's not what you were saying. No. You were just saying that when you achieve a goal, you don't stop. You have the next one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't, it's good to have intention, but in other words, your intent, there's a difference between a goal and an intention. Mm. <clears throat> so pretty much what everything that drives human behavior in my experience is intention. What's your intention behind doing this podcast, right? It's like, well, we want to basically help entrepreneurs and, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Um, and your intention should be to make a million dollars a month as an example, mm. or a hundred thousand dollars a month. But if you set that as a concrete goal, you will only take the sufficient action to reach that hundred thousand mm. dollars or a million dollars. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. You, so it's about the mindset of achievement that I'm referring to. Mm. You know, and so talking about running, right? So if you ran two k's in six, then I stopped putting a limit on it, and eventually, like two three weeks later, I ran a half marathon. Right, so yeah, yeah. jumping up and down in the streets. You know what I'm saying? Going fucking hell! I ne- I don't even run. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was about just, and I left for a short run that day, as I mentioned. And then it was like, damn, like I did that because mm. I didn't put a limit on it. If I said, if I'd, re- if I'd left the house going, I'm going to run 10 Ks today, I would have run 10 Ks. And come home. Yeah. And yeah, come yeah, home. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. But if my intention was to run as far as I can run in this, in this afternoon, in the next two hours, then that's how I got there. Yeah. Right. So it's that psychology yeah. of achievement. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. I, I also want to just just from that pull up thing. It's a cool little story from last weekend, um, and it's going to sound really easy. And the business model is so strange. So I went to this market, Four Ways Farmers Market. Yeah. They've changed spots now. They're no longer in Four Ways. They're somewhere else, um, but still called Four Ways. It's still called Four Ways. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, there was this the store that people kept going to, and it was so interesting. It was. Um, hold yourself up for two minutes on this bar, and you and you get a thousand rand. You hold th- yourself up on this bar, yeah. right? So like a pull-up bar, right? For two yeah. minutes, you get a thousand bucks, thousand rand. Uh-huh. Right, what's that? What's that in dollars? What you know for the? So, I don't know. A thousand. It's divided by fifteen. Yeah. So, so divide a thousand by fifteen. That's what you, you'll get that in dollars. Um, and the only difference was the bar's not um, the bar can rotate sixty dollars sixty dollars so so hold yourself up on this bar for two minutes and you get sixty dollars super simple right the only thing is the bar, so the bar's not uh, the bar can rotate like this in your hands that's the only thing it's just not solid and I'm thinking this should be easy right and I was there with one of the, like the physios of the South African rugby team and that kind of stuff at this market and he actually went to do it like very fit dude and also quite a small dude so he's not like heavy uh he managed 1 minute 25 that's good though it's good right yeah. and i'm thinking this got to be easy after he failed i didn't attempt it right? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not going to happen but literally people are going up um spending 50 bucks to enter 
to win a thousand. And nobody in the entire time I was there managed to stay on that thing for 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 two minutes. So what was the longest you saw? It was him, the guy, one of the guys that I was there with. One one minute twenty five seconds. I could probably do like thirty. It it like why why do you say that? I mean, it, like for me, it seemed it seemed well, very simple. I mean, like I do pull ups, mm. so it's you know you can hang if right? you dead hanging. Yeah, it's. Like you got eighty kilograms of of force in my yeah, case pulling yeah. down yeah. every second, yeah. So that adds, yeah. You know, so if, and you've only got your hands holding you up, so it's yeah. not like you got two legs. You can use your quads, a bit of your back. It's mm. like it's isolated. You know, you also force. you can't change your grip because the minute you loosen a grip on one hand, the bar will twist. Yes. So you got to keep the same grip the entire time. Yeah. So it's, 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 but it's an interesting money-making scheme, it's right? so interesting. <laughs> I bet it's you so can't do it. Yeah, exactly. I bet, bet you they made like <laughs> profit on that. It, it was, it was never empty. So there was always a queue going in 50, 50 rand, 50 rand, 50 rand, 50 rand. So how long could you do? We should do it. I got to pull up by you. Should we take the show outside? It, maybe we should do it next week. Uh, maybe I need to prep, you know? Okay, let's do it. We'll do it. We're going to introduce a new segment called uh, the challenge. The challenge? <laughs> the challenge of the is, physical is it, challenge is of about, the week. Is it all about, um, you know, you've got to exercise the mind and the body uh, to be successful in business? <laughs> for J-Burn. Is, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, for J-Burn. Yeah. Just for you, though. You're the only one that's allowed to do the challenge. I'm, gonna <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one that's going to chill. Uh, okay. Yeah. What do you think about it that? It could be disastrous, but yeah. Oh, yeah. We can go for it, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah? You think yeah. so? Yeah, maybe. The audience will get a good kick out of it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So uh, let's do uh, Would You or Wouldn't You? And then we're going to have a new segment this week uh, called Get Rich Quick. So this is uh, Rich Mulholland. He sent us in a voice note, which we'll play live on air. Um, And it's going to be a cool thought experiment, which we're going to play with you guys. So let's do Would You or Wouldn't You? Would You or Wouldn't You? Alrighty, so here we go. So Would You or Wouldn't You uh, basically... Uh, a show segment where we are going to talk about things we would or wouldn't do. So, do you have anything for me? Uh, no. Do you have anything for me? <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst planned <laughs> show is, in the world. <laughs> yeah. Let me... See, I even got the sound to work nice, on. Nice, nice. So, Jay Byrne, um, mm. let's see. So, last week we were talking about. How much is enough? Right? So, mm. in fact, I was sorry, it wasn't with you. It was actually with Rich, which is a good um, point of departure. So, Rich basically runs a presentation firm for the last 20, 25 years. And he was basically saying that, um, you know, for him, if he could just compete at the world. <laughs> if he could compete at the World Cup of presentations, like that would be enough for him. So, like he said, when he was in his 20s, he wanted to compete with, he wanted to be a billionaire. When, when he was in the 30s and 40s, he wanted to become a millionaire. Mm. And when he became 40s, he just stopped giving a fuck mm-hmm. about how much money he had. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So yeah. he knows that he will never be a billionaire. Mm-hmm. And he knows that he's rich. Not rich his name, but he's actually rich. <laughs> um, and so for him, that's enough. So I'm re- I said to him, it's quite an interesting thought experiment to think about as an entrepreneur. Like how much is enough for you? So like I'll probably walk away with a million dollars in after the sale mm-hmm. cash after tax. So for me, when I initially did the math on that, I was like, it's probably not enough for sure. me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I'm living in America, but if I was, you know, 15 million Rand in South Africa, if you stayed here, if you invested, it should be enough. You understand? Mm. So I'm quite interested to ask you, would you, would you settle for a million dollars? Like how much is enough for you? So the question for me is that question always has to, always has to be answered at a specific point in time because it'll change always. Why? Because think about it. If you, if you get, think about your first car that you ever got, right? Think about your first car, whatever that was. Um, in that moment, the day that you got it, that was more than enough as a vehicle, right? I don't know what your first car was. Mine was a City Golf, 
like Seriously? Nine, 91 model so city was golf. Mine. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. I had a city golf as well. Yeah. Yeah. As in like a car I paid for. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't pay for that. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. My father you hooked me up with that. Um, but in that moment in time, that was more than enough. It wasn't just enough. It was like that was mind blown, right? Like yeah. I can now drive myself places. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, today, I wouldn't go out and buy one. It wouldn't be enough for me. You know what I mean? I mean, my car is nothing fancy. You've seen it, but it's better than a 91 City Golf, right? Except you don't want to drive in your car. That's that's yeah, probably yeah, the worst yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, not great driving. I've had in my life. It's genuinely um, quite bad. But that's what I mean is like, also, if you think about where I live now, so if you, you ask me the question, would you or wouldn't you settle for a million a million dollars now? Um, I probably would. The next time you ask me, would you settle for a million dollars, it's probably going to be no. <laughs> it's just the way that it is. I, I live in, a, I don't know what it is in square feet, but like 120 square meter apartment. And right now it's enough. Is it though? It's two two years ago. I probably would have said I never need a bigger place ever. So you asked me, is your place? I was like, yeah, I'll never have to leave this place. Now it's enough, but I'm starting to get the feeling that, you know, it'd be nice to have like a, a garden like Matt Brown has over here. You know what I mean? It's a very nice garden. Yeah, it's a very, very nice garden. It's big, yeah. You should show everyone the garden. I should, right? Yeah. Can, yeah. can you show them yeah, the garden? Yeah, I can. I definitely can. Come on, let's show everybody the garden. Open up those curtains. Let's check. Let's check. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let me zoom in for you. Let's see. Wait, wait. There you go. Look at that. It's Look at garden. that beautiful Look garden. Look at the gym equipment out there. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Home it's gym. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I don't fuck around, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think yeah, I'd take I'd take it. It'd be enough for me now. A million dollars for sure. Yeah, but um, how old are you? I am. It's a question I'd like. Ne- I always have to kind of work out because I always forget. I think I'm thirty-three. You know, you're not. I'm thirty-three. Aren't you thirty-five? I'm born in eighty-eight. Yeah, thirty-three. Thirty-three. Yeah. Geez, dude, you got a lot of time though here. Hey? I do. I mean, like thirty three, you could do, you could build and exit two companies in that time. Yes. But in yeah. fact, yeah. you'd have and some, and you could take like two years off before you reach my age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've got, I've got opportunity, man. I've got opportunity. Time is on my side. But yeah. also, like, um, my number for when I retired, I think I'm trying to convert into dollars now, is one point five million dollars. And that is not that is to when have you retire. So to have to have in in investments, that was uh, always what it was. Um, I haven't thought about that in a long time. But uh, when did you come up with that number? Years ago. Yeah, years ago. Somebody asked me. I think my my, my friend who, who who works uh, in one of the banks here in South Africa. Uh-huh. He asked me. Um, he actually gave. He actually said that number was made sense at the time. And uh, now, no ways. If you had to ask me how much do I need in want in investments or savings by the time I retire, mm-hmm. that's um, that number seems ridiculously small. So you know what the key, the key question for me is? It's like, what's the difference between being rich and wealthy? And mm-hmm. there was an interesting formula for that. So. The, and, and I can actually rec- and I can actually recall it. So the formula went like this: Rich is basically take take all your expenses for a year, literally everything, mm. from you know your car. It, like think about absolutely everything you spend in a year, okay, and then multiply that by twenty five. Mm. That's rich. So if you are twenty between twenty five x and fifty x. That's rich. Now, wealthy is 50 times whatever you could okay. spend in a year. It's interesting. Yeah. So if you, you know, if you live in America, if you took, uh, if you took, you know, let's just say your, your monthly expenses were $20,000. That's, you can, that's baller, right? You'd spend, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> battle to spend that kind of money. <laughs> But let's let's just say ten thousand dollars, right? Mm-hmm. To be relatively conservative, right? So you you're you know, and and by the way, this is not assuming you make any more money. In other words, you don't. I'm not mm-hmm. doing branded interviews mm-hmm. on the show. You know, I'm not consulting. I'm not building like assuming you just have cash, right? And you don't. Mm. That's it. So 
So ten thousand dollars, one hundred twenty thousand dollars. Multiply that by hundred well, one hundred twenty thousand multiplied by twenty five would get you to three million dollars. Is that right? Three million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So three. So that should that's rich. So if I was living in the U.S., it'd be three million dollars. That should that's that's rich. Mm-hmm. But I'm not wealthy. I'm not like I don't have to work again. Yeah, it's okay, a weird thing saying, to think yeah, yeah. about, right? Mm. Obviously, you're making money to offset your 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 expenses, mm. but three million dollars is the number, then, right? And if I wanted to be if I wanted to be wealthy, I would then need to multiply that by. So that's six million dollars. Mm. So I actually think the number is closer to ten. If you're living in America, your number should be around about ten million dollars. And the reason I also say that is because I've got two young kids. Mm-hmm. So tertiary education in the U.S. Let's work this out. Tertiary education in USA. Oh wait, uh, cost. So, if you went to a private, here you go, private school. If you went to a private school, uh, like Harvard, now assuming Ray or something like that, you know, wants to do like a. PhD or something. Mm. You're looking at like a million dollars per child. A million dollars per child? Per child, dude. Is that from like first entry into schooling to finishing a Tertiary PhD? only. Tertiary only. Schooling's free, man, insane. in the US. If you, if you live in Texas, schooling is free. Colorado, it's free. That's depending insane. on which. It's only private schools. So that whole student debt problem is basically, you know, it's, it's from, you know, you go to like Stanford. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, Cough up a million dollars. That's how much it costs. So I'm looking at those numbers and going, million dollars is nowhere near enough. Yeah. And you've had to pay for primary and secondary education. Or you would if, if you know, if you got to that point. However yeah. long, you, you know, your kids stay in uh, South African schools, right? Yes. Um, so you're getting hit twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, Amy's messaging me. What do you want, Amy? I know you're watching live. What you want? We're trying to run a show here. <laughs> um, yeah, so like a million dollars is not enough. So I think I would st- I would have to build and exit two, one to two more companies mm. to get well, to 10 well, million. Well, that's the question, right? A million is enough for something. A million works. But, a million will work for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just for how long? Not very long. Not very long. Right? I mean, what would you get off that? 10% a year if you invested that? Well, I, I reckon... So that's $90,000 in free cash. Yeah. And, you know, passive income. I, I, I mean, it, it, it can work for you. It'll, it will give you runway to build something else that you can exit. Does that make sense? Yeah, it would. Yeah. It'll give you a pretty, in my mind, actually pretty decent runway. Yeah, but you don't want to be, let me take half of that and throw it. I mean, a developer costs $150,000. Yeah, true. <laughs> So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no, it's really not enough. Yeah. You know? So, this is why people raise money. That's why people raise money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. Every, every time you think something is enough, generally turns out not to be. <laughs> yeah. You can so always do with more. It is context, right? So, it is all about context, mm. you know? So uh, let's see. Uh, should we do soapbox and then wrap up? Go for it. Cool clip. So what do I want to talk about today on soapbox? Let me head on over to my amazing Twitter page, <laughs> which I use for sharing basically <laughs> random thoughts. Pull up a tweet. Well, what is one that resonated with you? Because you see my Twitter now and then. It, it, well, you've already used it today. Thank you. Yeah, and you yeah. remember the one. Yeah. Well, that was the one that resonated with me the most was if you only do the stuff, if you do the stuff that's hard, running a business is easy. And if you only do the stuff that's easy, running a business will be hard. That mm-hmm. one really stuck with me, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, so how about this one? So <clears throat> if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at MattBrownZA. So this one I put out uh, earlier this week. And it says, uh, accept the failure of a business for what it is, just the failure of a business. Uh, forgive yourself and move on. So, um, yeah, so this is a really important one for me because, um, 
you know, people are so associated with their businesses, they think their identity is their business. So if the business fails, they think they failed. And it's a, v- a very important lesson to realize that when a business fails, it's just the business. You are not your business. It's just the business that died. So what? So forgive yourself and move on, you know? And it's interesting because I've, when I, when I first had my first business failure when I was 26, like it destroyed me, mm. you know, like I no self-worth, useless failure, you know, I'm never going to build a successful business, like jumped on that train in a major way for like mm. years, years. And it wasn't until like I interviewed Alan Reyes and he basically said to me straight, he was like, yo, you know, he told me the story basically of, a, of his first investor. It was Jonathan Baird, who's still his investor today. So Jonathan is like ultra rich. Like he would be the guy born in space. You know, like his whole generation, you know, he, he invested in Monday as well, which just listed, Mm. he owns like most of the property in Amsterdam, like he's stupid, like it's next level shit. Um, and, um, and he backed Alan for a business down in Durban. It was like the New York sausage factory or some shit like that. And basically long story short, uh, he was warned, he said, you know, business isn't going to work. And eventually they ran out of cash, the business failed. And so you're sitting there across the table from Jonathan and says, listen, if I, if it takes, you know, me 10 years, I'll pay you back every cent, you know, like and he got up to leave and Jonathan like slammed his hand on the table, you know, like bang, he's like, sit down. And he like sits down and he says, did I back you or did I back the business? He says, no, you backed me. And he goes, Yes, exactly. So he says, if you, the only time you're going to fail is if you walk out that door. And so when I heard that story, I was like, damn, you know, like that's actually true. You know, businesses fail all the time. It doesn't define you, you know, and that's the thing also. It's like business, you know, you get two types of entrepreneurs, like those who are going to let failure define them and those who are going to say, okay, cool. What can I learn from this and how can I use this experience to push me forward, Mm. you know? And it's all about mindset. And this is why I love David Goggins so much because it's like, you know, he, he talks to the type of mindset that I know that I try and foster so that I can get through the hell. Because it is hell. You know, entrepreneurship's not for everyone. <laughs> it really isn't. You know, some people can't hack it. Mm. They're just not strong enough, you know. So, Yeah. It's not as the businesses die all the time. I mean, we killed fire sale hardware. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I didn't cry about that for mm. like a second. I was like, cool, it's dead. <laughs> Move on. Yeah. You know, another failure. I don't have to give a shit about. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? It is. I mean, there's so many things that, I mean, your ego comes into play, right? Your imagination can start to run wild. Right? What about if I'm not good enough? Self doubt, um, dependence, you know, worry about people depend. I mean, you've got kids and that kind of stuff. I've got cats, you know, but like I'd be pretty sad if I couldn't afford to feed my cats, you know, because <laughs> I've failed at something. So like these things will play, will play on your mind. And I guess it's the, the strong minded entrepreneur that manages to, um, manages to understand that those are literally just thoughts. Only the strong like survive. Your ego is literally just, you know, figment of your imagination. Yeah, what was I learning about ego the other day? I was like, yeah, I was watching this clip about NBA. You dig the NBA, right? Yeah, love the Massive, NBA. right? So there was this clip where the guy was basically saying, yeah, he said, you know, if, you, if you're thinking about your achievements in the past, he said, that's your ego. Mm. You know, I achieved, like, I'm a number one Amazon bestselling author. Mm. Okay, well done. But he said, if you project forward mm. as like, you know, I'm going to be a billionaire one day, mm. he said, that's your pride. And he said, when you're in your presence and you're just working on today, like taking the action that you want to take today, he said, that's when you're being humble. And he said, when, you, when you're executing in a space of being humble in the present, he said, you're more likely to succeed. That's very interesting. Cool. Man. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Mm. I don't know who it was though. We should definitely find out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I'll do it. I'm definitely not going to do that. Cool. So we wrap it up. Any final comments? Yeah, No, that's cool. Good show. 
Thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's cool, man. Great to have you here. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks for all the comments online. And this is Matt and Jay Byrne signing out. We'll see you again soon on the Getting Down with Brown show right here on the Matt Brown show. That's it. <laughs> That's got a, got a mouthful. <laughs> Later, guys. Hey there, guys. At smerocketfield.com, you can access new markets and your ideal customers within seconds from a globally compliant data engine built specifically to help your business grow faster than ever before. And the best part, it's free. Yes, that's right, it is free. Head on over to smerocketfield.com and sign up for free today so that you can start accelerating your business growth faster than ever before, wherever you are, with smerocketfield.com. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.